0: Oh, he, he's still waiting on Todd. No Todd yet. Uh.
1: I wanted to hear his right, open well, one we're... more time this year. I really like it. I open. did too. It's a Nick of all the opens that you have made. That is my favorite. Thank you. John hated it yeah. when he first heard it. John, jeez, you jerk. I've never made yeah. fun of Nick. No, I didn't. Yeah, you gave me a lot of crap
2: for it, John. You're like, oh, is this how we're doing opens now? You're just taking things that I said during an interview and putting music behind it. Seems kind of lazy. For Todd? Yeah.
0: I don't remember that. Oh, huh, interesting. Oh, it's recorded. Uh, I'll mm. Jimmy Allen you. Well, mm. speak, speaking speaking of guests, we had Aaron Schatz on earlier today. Yep, great interview. Did you, know that, did you know that Aaron Schatz was embroiled in a controversy? Today? He was the only person to not vote Lamar Jackson NFL MVP. That was him? Yes. He
1: had him number, what, four or three?
0: Uh, I, I, I oh, you know what I Aaron. don't, I don't have, I don't have his vote, but he, he, because I believe Josh that Lamar, Allen.
1: I believe Lamar Jackson was 49 first place votes and then a third place vote.
0: Oh, yeah, um, Oh, yeah, here uh, he we voted, go. We I, I d- voted Josh Allen.
1: Uh huh. Okay, so I didn't see this tweet that he sent out last night. He said, out at dinner, so I can't sit on Twitter, but I know my awards ballot is controversial, so I wrote about it. And sure enough, yeah, he wrote about having. Uh, so, yeah, he had Allen number one, Dak Prescott number two, and then Lamar Jackson number three.
0: Interesting. Well, uh, Stephen A. Smith launched into him today oh. on the ESPN chit chat show. I don't have the audio, but I will read you what he said. Okay. And, and, and it is quite funny because, well, here's what Stephen A. said. He said, people talk about how sports writers shouldn't be voting. That was a stupid Homer vote Homer. by that individual, probably scared to go back in the locker room if he had voted against Josh Allen. That compromises everything. You have to be object- objective when you have a vote, and that writer—I don't know who the hell it was—but that's an embarrassment.
1: For the record, if if I remember right, Schatz grew up as a Patriots fan, so he well, is not. See,
0: that's the thing. Yeah, Stephen A. did not know who the vote was. Yes, yes. He assumed it was he a Bills guy. That it was a Buffalo Bills writer who made the vote. Well, instead, as we now know, it was. Aaron shots.
1: So I just went and- to John. I went to his story from the, that. He tweeted out the uh, MVP awards or the his awards ballot. And he says, my All pro article was primarily a long discussion of why I had Allen and Dak over Lamar Jackson on my all pro ballot, all pro ballot. So it also serves as discussion of why I voted for Allen as my MVP. So I clicked into that and I'm obviously we're not going to read this whole thing, but he said his uh, cliff's notes is I trusted my numbers and my gut over going with the crowd just to avoid controversy, 18 interceptions, I'll address that below. So he just went He went with his numbers and what his numbers said about Josh Allen.
0: And, and listen, and I'm not just saying this because he's a friend of the Grum, I defend his pick. It's his vote. He can do with it as he pleases. In fact, I accuse Stephen A. of the same silly group think that we just, because he is anointed by the press and I'm talking about Lamar, I could be talking about anybody, but because everyone's just anointed him. Oh, he's obviously the MVP. Well, is he? Is he? You know, uh, and, and we can have these conversations, and we can look at it, and I like the fact that Aaron Aaron's always been about his numbers and what he – and he said it right there. I trust my numbers. I went with my gut, and I trust my numbers. I don't have a problem with that. I am I, – I like I like his vote better than I do – Everyone else's because I think a lot of this, a lot of times we get caught up in groupthink where all it is is just a bunch of people just nodding yes and go, yep, 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 or the same kind of groupthink that just assumes that every MVP has to come from the best team or who is perceived to be the best team. That's also a bunch of garbage and that happens way too much, in my opinion.
2: Hit it, Nick. <laughs> should be another great weekend of football
0: Todd Furman from the bet the board podcast time to talk a little money
2: people fall in love with teams on the way they look at a non-conference schedule I don't think there's enough wiggle room for me to get involved with this game going under the total early Uh, and remember it's a marathon not a sprint
0: One final time with our good friend Todd Furman, who is there on the ground in Las Vegas, where the world has come to him. Todd, how you doing?
2: I'm good, gentlemen. We are in the belly of the beast right now, coming to you live from Las Vegas Boulevard, walking to our lovely CBS set in front of the Bellagio, trying to soak in the atmosphere for what has descended on this city over the last week or so.
0: Now, I know some of the fans haven't arrived yet, and so it's really going to pick up here today, tomorrow, before the game. But um, have you heard from folks around at the various books? What has the traffic been like at the windows?
2: It is definitely ramped up. You can notice a difference in terms of the energy and the atmosphere as you get closer to the weekend, regardless of the Super Bowl city. You see a lot more Chiefs and 49ers gear starting to roll into town than we did on Monday and Tuesday. But the one thing that hasn't changed is the betting habits, and that is the public has backing the Kansas City Chiefs like they know the final score of the game already. And when you look at the 49ers, this is a team that people think is relatively fortunate to be here given what they've had to do to erase deficits against the Detroit Lions, against the Green Bay Packers, and route to winning the NFC. So it's created a truly fascinating dichotomy. And as you gentlemen can attest to, the public remembers what they saw last and they have truly latched on to the Patrick Mahomes narrative.
1: Yeah, Todd, it, it was interesting listening to the podcast this morning because especially at the beginning, it seemed like you and Payne, the lean was the 49ers. And as I listened to it, you know, a lot of the numbers maybe are saying that's actually not the play here. And then at the end, though, again, I got the vibe that you two like San Francisco. H- how much has, have you been like thinking about that, the full season versus what we have seen recently from each of these two sides?
2: calculus when you look at this and you try and figure out do you want to wait the most recent data points a little bit more than what you would for a full body of work how the market now prices these teams versus what the number would have been just three or four short weeks ago before the postseason started and I think that's always the dilemma in a game like this because from a number standpoint there's value in the 49ers from an X's and O's and matchups component uh, I can make a stronger more compelling case for the Chiefs and the nice part about it is, we talk about all the time when you have a laundry list of props that are available for you, you can find one or two aspects of the game, or in some cases 30 or 40, to try and attack instead of the side or total. And full disclosure here, gentlemen, I'll be rooting for the 49ers because I do have a little bit of liability on their money line, having bet them and the Ravens versus the field before the divisional round. So if anyone would like to take my minus 155 ticket that is essentially the 49ers money line, I'm happy to sell it to them and reinvest should I be so inclined on the Niners at minus $1. twenty-five instead.
0: <laughs> Todd Furman, Bet the Board Podcast, joining us from the Vegas Strip right there on the ground, getting ready for Super Bowl 58. What have you made, Todd, of the line movements the last 10 days? Should we And what should we expect between now and game time, which is basically 48 hours away? Yeah.
2: I don't think we're going to see a whole heck of a lot. I'm, honestly, when you look at the number here, not on a key, I think books have afforded themselves the luxury, should they get a lot more public support on the Chief, that they can take down the money line or some of the shops that are sitting on two, maybe come down to one and a half. Uh, but I think when you look at the evolution of how this market has gone, we did see some threes out there on conference Championship Sunday. Those evaporated relatively quickly. We got as low as one last Monday and that's when you started to see some 49ers prices enter the market. And I think when you look at the public versus the professionals here, you're seeing about three out of every four tickets come in on Kansas City, but the bigger dollars on the 49ers. What I always find fascinating is there was a news story that circulated in the local papers here that I'm sure has come across your guys' desk in some capacity, uh, an interview with Billy Walters about what side he would be on in the game, talking about how he made the Kansas City Chiefs a two-point favorite it's always interesting when the most influential better in the world, or one of them, wants to divulge what side he's leaning towards at least forward-facing 96 hours before the game. So I'll caution, buyer beware, in terms of where his real money will come in.
1: Todd, looking at this game and the matchup on the field, I, I wonder what you would say is the biggest advantage that San Fran has against Kansas City? And then on the other side, what's the biggest advantage that the Chiefs have versus the 49ers?
2: You know, the biggest advantage that I think San Francisco has is at the linebacker position. Uh, when you look at what Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner can do. Now, they're going to need to get help from the defensive line to try and slow Isaiah Pacheco down from running downhill uh, as the 49ers' defense has really been gashed over the first two playoff games. But I think one of the angles that gets overlooked is that Green Bay and Detroit, for me, grade out significantly better along the offensive line, especially considering how the Chiefs' group is currently constructed without Joe Tooney in the mix. Meanwhile, for the Chiefs, I'd be a fool if I said that I could ignore the experience component that works in Kansas city's favor. But the hundred million dollar question with that is how do you quantify what Kansas city brings to the table in that regard, knowing that they have 13 players on their roster that have played in more than two of these games. Uh, And I think that's what makes this thing so fascinating that regardless of where you want to land or the case you want to make, you can find an angle or an element that's going to further support your case.
0: Todd Furman, bet the board podcast live from Las Vegas, home of super bowl 58. Obviously, Todd, this being the last football game for a very long time, prop bets have always been a part of the Super Bowl. And people are more apt to bet props just because I'm not going to have much more football to go. (laughs) When you look at props, um, I'm curious about if there's anything on Patrick Mahomes that looks like, you know, might be an enticing bet or a good bet.
2: Uh, you know, it's not available everywhere, but, you know, with Mahomes, I think the one prop that still offers a little bit of upside is his longest rush of the game, to and over 12.5 yards. Uh, I haven't tangled with his full over-under, which was bet down from 29.5, where it opened, bottomed out at 24.5, and started to leak back up. But I think he does have one potential scramble in the mix, and if he's going to go over that full game total, you're not looking for him to be a high-volume runner by any stretch and I imagine there are still plenty of folks out there that remember getting burned by Patrick Mahomes' rushing total a few Super Bowls ago, where he was well into the 40s, took a couple of knees late, and you saw 20 yards kind of evaporate uh, from his total there. I think when you look at a game like this, the Mahomes, the Travis Kelseys, the Christian McCaffreys and company, oddsmakers know that the general public's going to look to bet a lot of these over the total more than anything else, Uh, and those oftentimes don't give you the same type of value-seeking opportunities. Uh, that you're going to look for in a game
1: like this. Hey, Todd, one more from me, and this kind of goes back to our early part of the discussion, and that was how the the books are handling the pros versus Joes aspect of it. Does that change from location to location and how a book is going to respond to getting a lot of money from a pro or a bunch of smaller bets from a lot of Joes?
2: A 100%. And I think you have to know your clientele in terms of the way you're going to approach booking a football game like this. If you're dealing to a sharper customer, you don't want to give them a value proposition and blink. Make them show with their money that they're going to force your hand one way or another. Uh, And for some books, you know, it may hinge on some of the futures liability that they've been accumulating over the last 11-plus months since those numbers were up on the board. You know, I spoke to some folks that said BetMGM stands to lose seven figures to the 49ers. And while I don't quite understand the mechanics of that from a bookmaking perspective, how they dug themselves such a hole, we'll see if they decide to offer a little bit of value for chief seekers in that particular spot. Uh, But again, everyone has a different way to try and skin the proverbial cat in a game like this. Uh, And it's always funny to see how some of the betting trends will change, not only today, but in the 36 to 48 hours leading up to kickoff, where the lion's share of money will enter the market.
0: Probably one of the more popular props is always picking who the MVP is going to be. And granted, it usually ends up being with a quarterback. But do you see any longer shots that might have some good value given the kind of talent that is on this field and the potential for someone to maybe come in and steal away an MVP award?
2: You know, I think if we're going away from the quarterback market, the player that stands out is Christian McCaffrey. And again, I'm not telling anybody something they don't already know, but you can see a clearly defined path where he accumulates multiple touchdowns and 120-plus yards, you know, rushing and receiving. Brock Purdy as pedestrian, and McCaffrey becomes the most recognizable face of this organization. And along the same wavelength at a slightly more aggressive price with a guy like Debo Samuel, I just don't know if is going to get the kind of touches you'd need to try and win that award. Uh, but knowing that we've seen him get that over his rushing number, we've seen some money come in on him for any time touchdown, it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, but again, we're working against history. This has been a quarterback-driven award in the past. And should CMC be the one to take home the hardware, he would join Terrell Davis as only the second running back to do so in roughly the last 30 years. Uh, but what a level of symmetry we would have, because Terrell Davis did it under Kyle Shanahan's dad, and it would only be fitting if the Shanahan family found a running back, of the key cog to getting another Super Bowl.
0: Todd Furman, Bet the Board Podcast. So it sounds like you're still leaning San Francisco on this one.
2: I am. I'm leaning the 49ers. Will not have a straight game bet. Like I said, I have a pad number here that I'll sweat out across the finish and hope the gambling gods smiled kindly upon me. Lean under the total as well for that top-line market. And do have a prop that's still available that we do love uh, that folks can check out on the Bet the Board Podcast. And You know, you guys mentioned no football from now until we'll call it August with the Hall of Fame game, but I figured the two of you would be hard at work putting together your power numbers on the new UFL looking to try and get your two out well with the spring football variety instead.
1: Yeah, we'll have to hit up Kugler and see what he can tell us about broadcasting <laughs> all these games and maybe some of the intel there.
2: That's the whole thing. I mean, look, you guys have better sources sometimes that are fully entrenched in these camps. You'll know how things are going to look even before they come across my desk. Uh, but until further notice, I typically take the spring and summer to fine-tune the college and NFL numbers. I'll leave some of the other leagues to people much smarter and sharper than myself.
0: I am more likely to bet on whether or not The Rock wins at WrestleMania than I am anything to do with The Rock's football league.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That, That is a very fair assessment, although I'm not sure I would bet on The Rock to win a presidential nomination anytime soon either, although that has also grown in popularity as we inch closer to this full election. Right, ah, 2020. certainly am.
0: Hey, Todd, enjoy it. I know things are really starting to heat up there in Las Vegas. Uh, should be an exciting time. We've appreciated all of your great insight all football season. It's a treat to talk to you every week.
2: Hey, I appreciate the opportunity, guys. Hopefully we've made the listeners a few dollars, and most importantly, we've made them a little bit smarter and judicious with their bankrolls. So best of luck to you guys and all of the loyal listeners in Omaha. Remember, it's just one football game, and the money ain't any greener on Sunday than it will be betting college hoops in the NHL on Monday and Tuesday. Thank you, Todd. That
0: is true. Todd Furman, Bet the Board Podcast. Check it out wherever you subscribe. And remember, they 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 keep they keep cranking out the podcast. They do NASCAR, they do NBA, they do it all. Bet the Board Podcast. Subscribe wherever you Go for your pod at cast. My All favorite right.
1: part about Todd is how he just has these lines that he says. They're, He's awesome. They're just great. Yeah. Todd's a good yeah. phrases.
0: Well, coming up, it is time for our point counterpoint on Super Bowl 58. Mm. And still to come, predictions. Who's facial hair will be gone next week when they finish dead ass last nix
1: or josh john we should have gone meta and put one of our questions in there who will finish last (laughs) oh wow that would hurt (laughs) Because what if Nick was like, you know what? I'm just gonna say myself, and hopefully I gain a point because it's Josh. But that causes Nick to actually get him actually last screw play. It. Can we do this? <laughs> Can we do this, please? Don't know if we have time, Nick. Don't know if we have time.
0: No, we've already built a grab. I don't want it. Yeah, I don't yeah. want. Maybe next time, I don't time, want Nick. one of you guys to feel that bad about mm. you know, because it's gonna be bad enough that we have to look at your shaved faces. But get the eggs. Mm, All right, as eggs. smooth as it, eggs. And it's also. It's also the Happy Hour brought to you by the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. And we have a brand new beer. Actually, it's a cider that we are promoting this week. So stand by for that and more. One Beer Friday presented by the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild on a Super Bowl weekend, 1620 The Zone.